Good morning. So how about those Tar Heels yesterday? Uh, I would like to share, I'm wearing a um, special stole that means a lot to me. Um, it is a Carolina stole that was made for me, custom made by Alexander Julian um, at the last church that I served. It's made out of Thai material, actually. Um, and I typically wear it for funerals of Tar Heel, um, fellow Tar Heels. And then if UNC happens to beat Duke in basketball. Now, this might be my last chance to wear it for a while. And I know yesterday's game was not glorious. Um, these are not our best seasons for either team. And that game was pretty ugly. But um, something it's still something to celebrate. And it's an opportunity to celebrate. And so I shall. Um, before, I, before I turn to the, uh, our sermon series, I also want to point out we've started something new. We have a, in our, you might have noticed it in our comments, there's a con contact us, and it's an opportunity for you to start signing in for worship using a link that pops up. And that would be so very helpful for us if both our guests and our regular worshipers would begin to get in the habit of clicking on that. It will take all of like five seconds, uh, but it helps us to know who is, who is worshiping with us as, as we are still a bit scattered. We are continuing our sermon series on the kingdom. We are exploring the kingdom through six parables Jesus used to teach. We continue to contrast the kingdom of this world with the kingdom of God or the kingdom of heaven, those are interchangeable. And the question that we keep asking ourselves week after week is, which kingdom are you following? Today we look specifically at the foundation that we are building on. Our scripture comes from Luke 6 verses 46 through 49. Jesus says, why do you call me Lord, Lord, and don't do what I say? I'll show what it's like when someone comes to me, hears my words, and puts them into practice. It's like a person building a house by digging deep and laying the foundation on bedrock. When the flood come, the rising water smashed against the house, but the water couldn't shake the house because it was well built. But those who don't put into practice what they hear are like a person who built a house without a foundation. The flood water smashed against it and it, it collapsed instantly. It was completely destroyed. Greg Donnelly tells this story. Robert Kupferschmidt was an 81-year-old with no flying experience whatsoever. However, due to a tragic accident, an emergency, he was forced to fly an airplane. It was on June 17, 1998, and he and his 52-year-old pilot friend, Wesley Sickle, were flying from Indianapolis to Muncie, Indiana. And during that flight, his friend slumped over collapsed onto the controls and he died. 
the Cessna 172 single-engine plane began to nosedive, at which point Robert grabbed the controls, pulls it up, and he got on the radio and pleaded for help. There happened to be two other pilots nearby that heard the call and Mount Comfort was the closest airport. So these two pilots in their planes gave Robert a steady stream of instructions for climbing, for steering, and yes, the scariest part, eventually for landing. And the two experienced pilots circled around the runway three times with Robert until this somewhat understandably frantic and totally inexperienced pilot was ready to attempt that landing. Emergency vehicles were of course called out and they were ready for what seemed like a complete approaching disaster. Witnesses said that the plane's nose nudged the center line, it bounced a few times before the, the, the tail hit the ground and even though the Cessna ended up in a soggy patch of grass next to the runway, miraculously, Robert was not injured. You see, this pilot listened and followed the instructions as if his life depended on it. And it did. Imagine what would take place in the lives of believers if we listened to and obeyed the word of God with that same urgency. As we dig deeper into this teaching from Jesus, I invite you to remember the urgency in which this man responded by, by, by both listening to and obeying the instructions that he was given. For him, it was a matter of life and death. Our parable this week, unlike the parables of the past couple of weeks, is not an allegory, but it's an analogy. So I don't have a key that I get to, to point out to help interpret and unlock what Jesus meant by his teaching. Instead, this week we look and learn from the comparison he makes between the person who hears the word of Jesus and obeys it, lives it out, and the one who only hears the word but does nothing with it. It's a pretty straightforward lesson, but one that is worth all of us reflecting on today. Because maybe, maybe we realize that we're building on a pretty good foundation already. And we are affirmed in that. And we are reminded how important it is to shore up that foundation. Or maybe, maybe we look inwardly today and we realize our foundation is in some poor condition that is pretty weak. And we have some work to do. The truth of Jesus' teaching is that a firm foundation comes when we are obedient to Jesus' example, to his teaching, and then we act on it. Security in our life comes from that kind of obedience. And destruction in our lives comes from our failure to obey Jesus' teaching in our lives. Now, in the Gospel of Luke, this parable appears both in Matthew and Luke, and there's a few subtle differences. But in the Gospel of Luke, Jesus is describing this storm of life that beats against the house, 
as water that is surging from an overflowing river. Now I learned something I think is very interesting this week about why surging rivers uh, can be a problem in Israel. Did you know that London and Jerusalem get the same amount of rainfall every year, about 22 inches? The difference is that London averages 300 rainy days a year and Jerusalem only 50. So this high intensity of rainfall in such a short period of days means runoff is pretty significant and that's what can cause flooding in Israel. So the people who heard Jesus' lesson understood both the havoc of these surging floodwaters that, that they could literally destroy houses, but they also understood, just like we do, the, the secondary meaning here, that life can be hard and that storms will come. Jesus is trying to show them the way to persevering. Preacher and professor Fred Craddock said, Confessing Jesus Christ as Lord is not enough, according to Jesus, if it's not accompanied by obedience. He went on to say that our obedience to Jesus' example in our lives would help us to hold our lives together when those storms of life hit. And the faithful seem to face more of those storms than anyone else. But when those storms hit... The difference between an interested listener and an obedient disciple will become evident. Which one are you, an interested listener or an obedient disciple? I feel like I can attest to this when I look back over my own life. And maybe you can do the same when you think about some of the life experiences that you have withstood. I feel like the storm started raging early in my life from about age five when I lost my father and my grandfather tragically. And there have been stormy seasons ever since. But I believe that my father and my mother and my grandmother started laying a foundation of faith in my own life from a very early age. And then I believe that I chose to, to keep building on that foundation as I grew older, from my confirmation classes to high school youth to my choice to participate in the Wesley Foundation campus ministry at Chapel Hill. I made that foundation of faith in Christ the center of my life. So much like this parable, when the storms hit, my life has and I believe will stay intact as I weather each storm out. Maybe you've had the very same experience. Maybe you long, you long for that kind of experience. But let's dig a little deeper. What does Jesus say is required to have this faithful foundation? It's pretty clear. We are called to be a hearer and a doer of the word. Now, I preach this message frequently because I believe in it heart and soul. And I've actually had some pushback here from folks that say from time to time, it sounds to them like works righteousness. 
But I caution anyone from jumping to that conclusion from my preaching by listening to what I'm actually saying and more importantly, by listening to what Jesus is pretty clearly saying here. Any, Jesus is saying anyone who hears Jesus' words and doesn't do them is foolish. And to be honest, many of us are fools. Affirmation of faith is not enough. True faith leads to obedience. True faith leads to hearing the word and putting those teachings into action. One day, a three-year-old little girl named Beverly was playing with her toys, and her mom was across the room folding clothes. And she looked up and realized, oh my gosh, Beverly's shirt is a disaster, and she needed to change it. So she called her name twice to come over and get a clean shirt, and no response. So after the second time, she laid the whole full three-name call out on her. Beverly Elizabeth promised, did you hear me? And Beverly answered, yes, mama, my ears did, but my legs didn't. How many times have our ears heard a sermon or a scripture, but our legs didn't, our hands didn't, even our hearts didn't. And John Wesley, the founder of the Methodist movement, believed firmly that a deep faith would reveal itself by the fruit that we bear. In other words, if we profess Jesus as Lord, then we will live our lives out accordingly, loving God and loving our neighbor. And it will be evident. We will bear fruit by the actions. Our actions and our behaviors matter. Because it is through our behavior that we either reveal the heart of Christ within us or we reveal an allegiance to the kingdoms of this world. James 1.22 reinforces this by saying, be doers of the word and not just hearers who deceive themselves. Our actions don't earn our way to heaven, to be clear. That is works righteousness. But that's not what we're talking about this morning. Our actions affirm our obedience to Jesus as Lord of our life. And without obedience, we are simply interested listeners, curious about Jesus. But if we want to become transformed disciples and build our foundation on the kingdom of God and not the world around us, then we must be obedient to Jesus' teaching and Jesus' example. Maybe you've done something like this before with something that you cherish, with something that was precious to you. A man loved fancy cars. And he would buy one and, and he would, would at first take it out for a spin and enjoy it. And then as time progressed and he began to, to trade his fancy car in for a fancier car, he began to park it in the garage and he would shine it and he would admire it and just love it. But he rarely drove it out anymore for fear of digging it up or getting it dirty. And eventually the car never left the garage. What is the point of owning such a thing if you never use it for what it was intended for? And that is exactly what Jesus doesn't want us to do. 
to admire Jesus, to love Jesus, to appreciate Jesus, even cherish Jesus very much, but leave Jesus in our garage, never putting Jesus's teaching to practice. So to remind us a little of this teaching that we are called to be obedient to, I want to read a few verses that come before today's lesson. You see, this parable came at the very end of Jesus' Sermon on the Plain. And that's Luke's version of, of a large collection of his teaching. In Matthew, we call it the Sermon on the Mount. Here part of Jesus' sermon from Luke 6, verses 37 through 45. Jesus preaches, don't judge and you won't be judged. Don't condemn, and you won't be condemned. Forgive, and you will be forgiven. Give, and it will be given to you. A good portion, packed down, firmly shaken, and overflowing, will fall into your lap. The portion you give will determine the portion you receive in return. Jesus also told them a parable. A blind man can't lead another blind person, right? Won't they both fall into a ditch? Disciples aren't greater than their teacher, but whoever is fully prepared will be like their teacher. Why do you see the splinter in your brother or sister's eye, but you don't notice the log in your own eye? How can you say to your brother or sister, brother, sister, let me take the splinter out of your eye when you don't see the log in your own eye? You deceive yourselves. First take the log out of your eye and then you will see clearly to take the splinter out of your brother or sister's eye. A good tree doesn't produce bad fruit, nor does a bad tree produce good fruit. Each tree is known by its own fruit. People don't gather figs from thorny plants, nor do they pick grapes from prickly bushes. A good person produces good from the good treasury of the inner self or heart, while an evil person produces evil from the evil treasury of the inner self. The inner self overflows with words that are spoken. No wonder that the very next verse, verse 46, Jesus says, why do you call me Lord, but don't do what I say? We find it hard to do what Jesus says, don't we? However, being obedient to Jesus is the path to not letting the storms of life just wreck us. Being obedient is also the path towards becoming a transformed disciple, which is one of our primary hopes and goals here at Boone UMC. Notice I'm not saying being perfect but being obedient when we try to live faithfully to what Jesus is teaching us and calling us to do. That's the key here, not perfection. And if both our ears and our legs hear Jesus, or if we listen to Jesus and do, act, then this means the following according to his teaching. 
True disciples will make Jesus their role model rather than the blind misleading the blind or following a false role model. Disciples will tend to their own shortcomings before presuming to help others with theirs. A good heart or an inner self is necessary in order to bear good fruit. Obedience is necessary to make Jesus your Lord. And a disciple loves their enemy. A disciple blesses the poor. And a disciple acts generously and non-judgmentally. These characteristics of a disciple only happen when we intentionally build our faith and live our life on a strong foundation based on the example and love of Jesus Christ. And this reminds me of a quote from Francis Bacon. It's not what men eat, but what they digest that make them strong. Not what we gain, but what we save that makes us rich. Not what we read, but what we remember that makes us learned. Not what we preach or pray, but what we practice and believe that makes us Christian. Living these basic tenets in our life with a sense of urgency and commitment mean that when we start getting knocked around by the challenges of life, we have the strength and we have the support. We need to stand strong. The truth is, we don't get to choose where we have storms in our lives or even what kind of storms head our way. We only get to choose the foundation in which we stand. And my prayer for you is that your foundation is based on the bedrock of obedience, trust, and love of Jesus. And I sure hope that foundation of faith is not locked up in a garage somewhere looking shiny and unused. I hope your faith has knocks and dings and dirt from use and practice as you navigate living the kingdom of God here in the midst of the kingdoms of this world.